Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. Don't trust in yourself when it comes to making decisions. And I don't just mean the big decisions, where to live, you know, who to marry. I'm talking about every decision you face. Don't trust yourself. Oh, but God gave me a brain. He wants me to think these things through, doesn't he? Well, yeah. And, and obviously God has asked us to think logically about the issues of our life. But just because it adds up on paper doesn't mean it's God's will. Are you at a crossroads in life? When we have a big decision to make, we usually follow a proven process for wise decision making. But what about the daily mundane decisions? Do you approach those with the same care and attention? Well, today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares is challenging our lackadaisical approach to everyday choices. We have access to a God who knows the whole story and wants to share it with us. So why wouldn't we tap into that wisdom? Well, let's get started. and I have the opportunity as children of God to consult with a person who actually knows how the whole story is going to work out. He knows us intimately. He knows everything about us. He knows our weaknesses, our strengths, our temptations, our vulnerabilities. He knows what tomorrow holds. He knows what it's going to be like next month in your family. He knows what it's going to be like in the rest of your life. And he's saying to you and I, just come and consult me. Talk to me. David says in Psalm 139, he says, it's incredible that you not only formed me in my mother's womb, but you knew every day of my entire life and you wrote them down in a book, so to speak, before there was yet one of them. God knew exactly what my life was going to be before my life even started. Bible says in the New Testament that as Christians, we are his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that. He's got a plan for you and he's got a plan for me. He cares about every day of our life. He cares about every aspect of our life. Do you think he cares about every decision that you face? You bet he does. He not only cares, he'd love to chat with you about every decision that you make. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd like you to open it, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 2. As we continue our study through the books of Samuel, we've, we've happened upon this passage of Scripture that is full of real simple instructions that I thought about kind of adding to a broader section of this text, but I want to camp in just three and a half verses this morning that give us three basic principles as to how you and I ought to consult God with the everyday things of our lives. You see, because one of the big sins we as people commit is not a sin where we cross a line and do something wrong. We do plenty of those. But the Bible says there's one sin that God's people have been committing for so long, and that is they have, as Joshua 9 puts it, they have failed to inquire of the Lord. God is saying there are situations in your life where you blow it just because... You don't come and talk with me about it. You don't ask. You don't seek. You don't try to find out my will. Instead, you're just busy doing whatever's logical, whatever is reasonable, whatever makes sense, whatever adds up on the ledger. Instead, I just want you to come and talk with me. I know what's best for you. 
But come, inquire, seek, ask, knock. I'll let you know. God says that's the way he wants us to respond. And in this passage, if you look at verse 1 of chapter 2, thankfully, David, back on track with God, he does what all of us need to do. The text says, in the course of time, David, here's a great word, and it's used throughout the scripture, he inquired of the Lord. He said, God, what do you want me to do? Specific question, he said, shall I go up to the towns of Judah, he asked. Now, if you know the context of this particular verse, you know that there is really no reason for him not to. The only reason he was not living in Judah was because the king, the present king, Saul, had kicked him out of the country. He was, in chapter 31, in essence, killed by the Philistines, and he was no longer in the picture. Not only did the king die, the crown prince died, and there was no one else to assume the throne in Israel, no rightful king. He had the memory of Samuel coming to his family and anointing him with this perfumed oil, saying, you will be the next king of Israel. He knew what his destiny was. He knew what God had called him to do. But instead of saying, okay, let's see, I'm supposed to be the king of Israel, not the king of Philistia, uh, the king of Israel who had kicked me out of the country in essence, now he's dead, his son is dead, um, this is a no-brainer. It makes sense, here I go. Instead of just doing that, you know what he does? He says, God, help me on this one. He inquires of the Lord and says, should I go up? Is now the right time? Is this what you want me to do? Before we get any further into this message on knowing God's will and discovering God's will for our life, we ought to look at really the banner verse, the central passage, I think, in the scripture that helps us really in two sentences capture the essence of what it is to live as people seeking God's will in the everyday issues of our life. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3. Look at it, verse number 5. You remember this passage, don't you? The text says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's the command, but here's the prohibition. And lean not on your own understanding. Underline that phrase, that's critical. That's really the first step. Don't rely on your own understanding. Now think back to what David was doing. It was a no-brainer to go back to, to, to uh, Judah, to go to the southern part of Israel. It was obvious that that was what he was supposed to do. But instead of doing what was obvious, he said, I can't trust myself. I can't trust my own knowledge. I can make a decision based on my understanding, which is like this, just this little tiny confined area that I know of, or I can rely on God who has all this information. God knows everything. I know this much. He knows this much. I know this much. Duh. I don't want to rely just on this. It seems right to me, but you know what, God? What do you think? And so often we are in the pattern because we've grown up in a non-Christian world and we work shoulder to shoulder with non-Christians and our TV sets and our magazines are all based on non-Christian life principles. They tell us we ought to depend on ourselves. When God says, if you really want what's best for you, talk to me, trust in me, not in yourself taking notes this morning, I guess that's the first thing we ought to jot down. That you and I, number one, we need to not trust in ourselves. Don't trust in yourself when it comes to making decisions. And I don't just mean the big decisions, where to live, you know, who to marry. I'm talking about every decision you face. Don't trust yourself. Oh, but God gave me a brain. He wants me to think these things through, doesn't he? Well, yeah. And, and obviously, God has asked us to think logically about the issues of our life. But just because it adds up on paper doesn't mean it's God's will. The Bible says one of the sins we commit as Christians is not inquiring of God. 
I quoted Joshua chapter 9. You might want to jot the reference down. Verse 14 is where it comes to an apex and study it on your own. But here are some people in Israel, the leaders of Israel, and even Joshua himself making decisions on things that just made sense. And God said, you've blown it. Verse 14 says, you did not inquire of the Lord. That was the problem. And in our lives, we need to start thinking outside of ourselves and saying it's not just about whether it makes sense to me or whether it's good with my family. It really comes down to seeking God's will on it. Should I go up to Judah? Well, maybe I should. Well, it makes sense, but let's get God's take on this. Look at the next verse in verse number six. Here's the second half of this equation that David's going to live out. The text says, in all the big decisions, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see that there? Did I read that wrong? That was from memory, so it may have been wrong. What was it? In, in, in all the, the, the big, or at least medium to, to, to large and, and significant decisions, acknowledge me and I'll make your path straight. So am I missing something there? There's a little confusing, complicated, really hard to understand word in this sentence. In the Hebrew, it's so difficult to really catch the essence of. It's that little three-letter word there in that phrase. Do you see it? And how many of my ways should I acknowledge God? All of them. Some people will tell you, you know, it doesn't matter. You do whatever you want to do. Just don't break any of God's rules. That's their philosophy on the will of God. No, just use your own thinking, use your own understanding. You know, just make sure that you're not breaking any of God's rules and then do whatever you want. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And the question for you is, are you satisfied with general instructions from God? Or do you want specifics? Turn back, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 2. Look at the rest of verse 1. David gets the general direction from God. Yes, it's the right time. And yes, you should go back to Judah. Look at his follow-up question. David asks, where shall I go? I love it. It's a godly response. He says, God, I just don't want general information. Can you help me with specific information here? God, tell me where to go. And there's a lot of towns in Judah. Which one should I go to? And God answers, Hebron. Go to Hebron. Now, you're thinking to yourself, now, this can be ridiculous. I mean, do, do I start asking God when I go into the closet, well, God, which shirt do you want me to wear? What color socks would you like me to put on this morning? God, what kind of cereal should I eat? I mean, that could get ridiculous. Think about it. If I really start consulting God on everything I do, if I really start acknowledging him in every decision that I make, I mean, it, it, would, it would be like I would be praying all the time. I mean, you know can't have that. That's dripping with sarcasm for a reason, right? Isn't that where God wants us to be? Every single thing that we do, say, hey, God, what would be best for your servant here? What would you want me to do? Now, that may sound silly to you, but you know what? I dare you to try it. And you know what it'll do? It'll put God front and center in your mind all day long. It'll make you see yourself for who you really are, a follower and a servant of Christ. You'll start to say, God, I'm not thinking about what's best for me here. I'm thinking about what you think is best for me here and what's best for your kingdom and what's best for your church and what's best for your name and honor. God, help me here. What would you like me to do? That may sound silly, but God would say to us in all of your ways, acknowledge me. And then what will he do? I'll make sure you're walking on the right path. I'll make your path straight. I'll put you right exactly where I want you to be. It's people that get into the mindset that say, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. God just wants me to stay out of trouble. I don't break any of the Ten Commandments. I'm okay. When you do that, then you create a pattern in your life of leaning on your own understanding. And you don't at every crossroads start to say, hey, God, what's up here? What would you like me to do? 
Here's what I want you to put down in your mind and on your paper. Don't trust yourself. You don't lean on your understanding, and David didn't either, and he wasn't happy with general instructions. He wanted specific instructions because he said, God, I may go to the wrong city in Judah. Which one do you want me to go to? And I'll bet you if he hadn't asked, he would have chosen some others. At least maybe Bethlehem would have been higher on the list, right? His own hometown. He knows more people there. His cousins live in that town. I mean, maybe Gibeah, where, where Saul used to reign from, that was, used to be the political hub, and maybe that would make sense. Instead, God says, no, Hebron. Why? Because God knew exactly where David needed to be. He knew exactly what David had to go to to create the right alliances and the right people were there, and God knew. And David said, I'm trusting in you. Now, that's a wonderful bumper sticker. It's a good principle to teach our children. But in reality, when you read that, don't you think, oh, come on, Mike, it's really not that easy? I mean, it's, it's, if, if David says, should I go up to Judah, and God says, yes. Which city should I go to? Hebron. Well, if it were that easy, I could do it. I mean, you know, if, if it were all about seeking God's will, and all I had to do is say, say, God, where should I go to lunch today? And he says, Taco Bell. I mean, I could do that. But, you know, I've, I've tried this, and I don't, I don't think it works that way, and it's not that easy, and... You know, it's real nebulous and hard. Listen, before you start to envy David, because he could go to a high priest who was wearing an ephod, who had the Urim and the Thummim, and there was this seeming hotline to God. Be careful, because if David could see us, he would envy us. You know why? I know that for certain, because in Psalm 119, David lays his heart out on the table, and he says, you know what? There is nothing that I look to more for guidance in my life than the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105, what did he say? Your Word, it's a lamp unto my feet, it's a light to my path. What does that mean? I know where to take the next step because I have the parameters of Scripture. And what was he working with? I mean, if he's working with five books of the Torah, we're working with 66 books of God's revelation to man. We have so much rich chapter after chapter of God's opinion on who to hang out with, who to marry, what kind of jobs to take, what principles to live by, what not to do, what to do. It is jam-packed full of God's mind on, on all topics. It's full of information for us to follow. And we sit around saying, oh, God, David had it so easy. I mean, come on. He asked and God responded. You know, the Bible is full of instructions for us that if we would go there first, we'd recognize that probably 90% of the things that we're asking, there are biblical principles that come to bear on those decisions. You know, we expect some audible voice from God. Well, it's almost clear and more undeniable than that because it's written in black and white for us to refer to. It's right there, propositional, undeniable, inarguable truths and propositions that tell me what I can do and what I can't do, where I should go, where I shouldn't go, who I should hang out with, who I shouldn't, what companies I should work for and which I shouldn't. You think it's not that clear, then you don't know the Bible because it is that clear. And it affects almost every area of our lives. So if you under point one are trying to put together some kind of matrix or some kind of list of how to determine God's will in our day, that's the first thing you ought to write down. The first thing we look to is God's objective word. If you want to know who to marry, if you want to know where to go for lunch, if you want to know what kind of job to take next, you go to God's word first. And I guarantee you, you're going to find some principles that come to bear on the decision you're facing. Because it's rich, 66 books of God's mind on paper. Think about that. We just need to become good students of it, don't we? If you want to 
round out this little matrix here as to how I'm going to filter my decisions so that I get some specific answers from God. We move from the objective to more and more open to subjective, if you're following me. They may not be what I consult chronologically, but they're certainly what I would consult and consider to be the most objective to more subjective. And if I go from God's word, which is supposed to be the lamp unto my feet and the light to my path, the next thing the Bible would direct me to go to if I need specifics about when to move to Judah and which town to settle in, I'll show it to you if you turn to Proverbs chapter 15. It's right there for us. And it says, you need details, you need specifics. Well, first you go to God's word. You look to see what God's word has to say about your decision. And here we go, it's a very anti-American verse. We don't like this much. But Proverbs chapter 15, drop your eyes down to verse number 22, and it will give us a great principle for discerning the will of God in the specific areas of our lives. The Bible says, Proverbs 15, 22, plans. What are plans? Decisions we make, choices we make. Plans fail. Why? Lack of what? Counsel. Plans will fail because of lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. What's the biblical principle here? If you want to decipher and know what God's will is for you, you want a choice that's right and biblical and godly, then we go and we seek the counsel of other people. Turn over five more chapters later in this book to Proverbs 20. If that's a good principle, here's a clear imperative. Here's an imperative that tells us exactly what we should do. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18 says, as clear as clear can be, make plans by retreating to your private prayer closet and seeking for some move of the Spirit in your life and some emotion and feeling, and then, then do it. See that all there in verse 18? No. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that we need to, as Christians, recognize that God's will and God's grace is filtered not just through his word, but through his people. The text says, make plans by seeking advice. And if you go to war, by all means, the most committal thing you can do, right? Committing your life to, a, to an avenue, a decision here, then you better, what? Obtain guidance. And so many of us in our American independent, individual Christianity, we wouldn't even think about this. It's the Bible, me and God, and that's it. And the Bible says if you think that way, you're missing out on a huge avenue through which God can reveal his will to you. If you're making a decision, I don't care how minor it is, to pick up the telephone and call another godly person in the body of Christ and say, hey, help me with this. Here are my options. What do you think? Do you know what I'm doing when I do that? I'm consulting someone that's much more objective than me. Do you see what I'm saying? They're much more objective about my life. If you ask me a question about your life at the door today, I'm going to be much more objective than you because you live it and I don't, right? So I'm going to try to give you a, an objective response. Well, here's what I think God might want. Here's what I think God's word says. Here are some principles that come to bear. Hmm, A, B, C. It looks like B is probably the best one. So many of us are afraid of that. And the text doesn't say one person who controls your life. The Bible says in many counselors, seek advice, seek guidance. That's why small groups are so important, and you ought to be involved in one. That's why one-on-one -on -one discipleship is so helpful, because it opens up every avenue of my life to someone else. That's why meeting in smaller contexts than this right here is so helpful for us as Christians, because we take advantage of the wisdom that exists in the body of Christ. And in this room right now, I don't know what decision you're facing, but there's enough godly experience seated in this room to help you through that decision. The problem is they don't know you're facing that decision, do they? You've got to get it out. 
You've got to say, God, it's your method to discern your will. Oh, I can't go to the high priest with the ephod, with the Urim and the Thummim and figure out some, you know, red phone to God and say, God, what should I do? But I tell you what, if a person decides to get married without consultation, they're foolish. If a person decides to take a job and they haven't bounced it off of five or six other Christians, they don't know what they're doing because they are neglecting the primary, one of the primary means through which God reveals his will to other people. So I look to God's word. And then secondly, I look to God's people. And then thirdly, and I put it thirdly, not because it's least important, but because it's subject to the most subjective interpretation. I look to God's prompting in my life. I look to the Spirit's prompting in my life. And you can see how that's easily twisted, right? I mean, I can say to you, I'm kind of debating whether or not it's God's will for me to go out and get three hot fudge Sundays after the church service today. You think I'm kidding, right? No, but let's just say, let's just say I'm pondering that. So I consult God. I say, oh, God, I'm just wondering if it might be your will for my life for me to go and sit down at that restaurant or two or three hot fudge Sundays. Now, I'd be afraid to ask you your opinion on that because you might give me more of an objective opinion. Of course, the Bible has principles that would come to bear on that particular choice. But, you know, it's easy for me to twist my will into my interpretation of what God is calling me to do. And I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying when it comes to the matrix of finding out which city in Judah to go to, I start with God's word, I consult with God's people, and then I see if it doesn't line up with God's promptings in my life. And when God's word and God's people and God's promptings in my life line up, it's better than a voice from heaven. Because then I might think, I wonder if I heard it right. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if I got that clearly from God. Did, did, did he say Hebron or did he, did he say Gib, Gibron? I mean, I wasn't really clear on that. Do you see what I'm saying? You and I have the advantage. Why? Because we live in a community of people filled with the Spirit of God. We can consult them. We've got the Word of God, 66 books covering just about every topic under the sun. And we have God's Spirit living in us. And when God's Word, God's people, and God's prompting in my life line up, you can, you can bet it's as clear as verse number one. It's as though God's saying, I want you to move to San Clemente, I want you to take that job, and I want you to live in that neighborhood. We're learning how to make sure your next decision is a good one with Pastor Mike Fabares. You're listening to Focal Point, and we'll pick up the subject again tomorrow. Remember, you can always listen to the program again online at focalpointradio.org. Well, we're digging deep into just a few verses today, mining them for as much biblical insight as we can squeeze into this half-hour program. Here at Focal Point, we're committed to exploring and proclaiming the depths of Scripture so our listeners are equipped to stand firm against a world that corrupts and distorts. If you stand with us in our mission, would you give today to support this work? We broadcast the truth of Scripture every day on more than 800 stations, and our online program receives more than a million streams each year. Through your generosity, we can continue delivering Pastor Mike's expositional teaching by radio, internet, podcast, and app. When you support Focal Point with a financial gift today, we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of a helpful book written by Nate Pickowitz called How to Eat Your Bible, A Simple Approach to Learning and Loving the Word of God. 
Maybe you want to know God's Word better, but you don't like reading. Or perhaps you find the long books and strange names overwhelming. Whatever the case, How to Eat Your Bible will help you cultivate an appetite for lifelong study. You'll also become encouraged to pursue God's Word by learning how other Christians throughout time maintain this crucial practice. Request your copy by calling 888-320-5885. That's 888-320-5885. Or go online to focalpointradio.org. If you prefer sending your donation by mail, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. We also have a free resource we'd like to send you without obligation. It's a Bible timeline pamphlet that includes dates of kings, prophets, battles, and key events. Find it online at focalpointradio.org. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again on Wednesday as we continue our message on decision-making called Making Sure Your Next One is a Good One, right here on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, it's an honor to be with you every day, helping you explore the depths of Scripture. But I want to be clear, no amount of Bible knowledge is ever going to save you. Be sure where you stand with God. Get in touch with us. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Visit us today at focalpointradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.